Every town has a story. Businesses, organizations, and people all help to make up that story. I'm Jessica Gunn with the Clarksville-Johns County Chamber of Commerce, and I'm here to explore those stories straight from the sources, learn their journeys, and inspire others to make similar quests. This is a great opportunity to get some insight on our community and its businesses. So thanks for joining me to know your roots. All right, thanks for joining me. Today I have Rob Sharkeyes here with Mountain Inc. Um, and I will just let him kind of get started and, and really introduce me. What is Mountain 8 Inc.? Mountain 8 is a ministry that we started in 2010 to help. An original design was to help young people to get a good start in their life after they graduate high school, college, whatever. So we have a Christ-based program, the flight plan, and we started with that, and then it's grown from that. We actually work with a couple of different organizations, and we have different mediums as far as helping people just live an abundant life. I know that's a broad brush, but an abundant life where they have happiness in their life, they have some joy in their life, or a lot of joy in their life, and that they're not so overwhelmed with the stresses of the day. So we are a ministry but we want to be on the street ministry, a ministry that's real, if that makes sense. We're not teaching uh, some sort of ethereal doctrine out at a church, or, and we're not really a forward-seating church model. Uh, we are a religious organization, and that's a little bit difficult. Yeah. In a, in a society where religions become maybe a bad word with some people, uh, the sun is religious, and I'm glad it is. It gets up every morning and shines yeah. for us. So that's when we say we're a religious organization. We're not the organization handing out Bibles and trying to help people. We, we do read the Bible, but we're looking for real life. And so that's what we're doing, you know, working one-on-one with people, uh, having meetings with people, groups, seminars, workshops. Oh, yeah, that's what Mountain Night's about. So you made a comment about the overcoming the stresses of the day. Do you have any tips or advice for how to overcome those stresses? Uh, it starts with the belief in the design of who we are. So we are made, of course, I'm Christian, and you talk about business. We are a business. We're about what we call our father's business. So that's the way I have to go. We are made in the image and likeness of our creator, and he didn't create us to be stressed out. So we look at the inward portion of a person. So when I say removing stresses, we don't have a modality or, or a pattern for outside as much as we do inside okay. and so that involves here you go the yeah. preacher's gonna say it, it involves <laughs> prayer it involves meditating actually just quieting yourself and making sure you're good with your creator and purpose driven life or a life that you know you're supposed to be where you're at and build those foundation blocks of your life so if I could I'll take a second and explain a little bit yeah, more okay absolutely. so I always help people like number one you were supposed to be born. That's a big, big thing to know. So you're, su- you're supposed to be born. Number two, you're supposed to be born to the family you were born to or adopted into the family you were adopted into and start building those blocks. And even up into relationships, you know, I know for me, I was supposed to marry my wife. We're supposed to be together. And I know the kids I have and the career that I have, if you can call this a career, more of a chosen vocation, I feel like. So that helps with people that are stressed out is to get back to the basics and 
turn off social media, even though podcast is one. <laughs> uh, sometimes you have to turn things off just so you can quiet yourself. And, and most of the stress is going to be in the mind, of course. And uh, we could talk a lot about that, the mind of Christ, putting on a mind that's steady, constant, and loves to go to the lake and ride the jet ski, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so one thing, I've really gotten into podcasts lately, and one of the things that I listened to was staying focused and, and just being present. And I feel like it's difficult in this time, you know, day and age, just to be present and aware of your surroundings and not thinking of the future or thinking of the past. Like, do you have any kind of advice or any tips for that? Uh, would say right off that you, you take charge of your life. Mm-hmm. So you have the authority of your life. What happens is if you don't know that and you don't know how daily to take charge, I mean, when you first get up, you're in charge. And of course, we believe in a creator. He's empowered us to take charge. If you don't, then life lives you. Mm-hmm. And then when life is living you, it'll start driving you. And when it's driving you, because you want to obtain what you believe to be some level of success, when perhaps you don't really have a good idea of what success is, or you're trying to obtain more objects to get happy, then life is living you. You're not living life. And we want to up the ante. We want to not only live life, we want to live it abundantly. So that's the focus. That's the now. I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm living the life that I'm supposed to be living. It's the right life. And it's not because of all the things I have. And it's not really because of all the relationships I have. It's because of who I am and who I'm supposed to be. So with that authority and that design, you'll be happier and you'll have more present, more, more now time. And you're not worrying about tomorrow because you're in charge of tomorrow, tomorrow also. Yeah. You know, and that sounds a little bit difficult to people that are in the, what we call the American dream that's kind of been skewed. Because America does have a great opportunity, but it's skewed because it's how much, how many Lamborghinis can I get? Yeah. How much stuff can you yeah. get? Yeah, and, and the way I teach is all the stuff you can touch is dirt. Yeah. It's all dirt. And I'm not opposed to getting dirt. You know, if you want to send some dirt my way, go ahead. <laughs> Put it in the form of you know something I can use. However, it doesn't control me. And so the overwhelming design that some people are living in is life is just driving them, and eventually it'll kill you because it's pushing you so hard to obtain something that you think is the right life. When it's all along, it's you being you and in charge of you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um. So then, what kind of what got you to this mindset? Like, what was there a certain moment in time where you're like, oh, like this is it, or was it like a course of time? Like, what what brought you to to starting Mountain Eight and to having this mindset and shifting your life to live this way? I I was brought up in a traditional church setting. Uh, my dad was pastor. My grandfather's both of them pastors. Matter of fact, uh, my grandfather Middleton was a pastor here in Clarksville, Arkansas for many, many years. And, and I was in that, but there was something missing, so I began to seek. And that's what I encourage everyone to do. Seek. And the good master taught us this. He taught us to seek, ask, and knock. Start looking. So if you're not fully satisfied in your life, take action and go out and find what you're looking for in the form of of abundant living is what I call it. So I, yeah, I traveled all over the world, traveled overseas, and I was looking 
for something, I'll say, that I already had, but it took the travel to get me there. So my journey through traditional Christian settings, I don't want to knock that or discount that, though I'm not that. It helped me in my journey. It's, it's what got me here. Mm-hmm. You know, Even the times I ended up in the pig pen, so to speak, because I was young and not sure what to do. And, and so I kept seeking... And that's where we came up the mountain eight. I was studying about the seven mountains of influence in the world, and the chamber falls under that. Obviously, you got you do have religion, but you have government, you have education, and there's seven of them. And I'm not going to name them all because I don't know that I remember them all. But, <laughs> but as I was studying the seven mountains of influence, it's it came to me going down the road that there's an eighth mountain, and that's our soul or our spiritual design that we need a good understanding of who we are inside. And so after all my travels, I come to see one day that the Lord had said that His kingdom or the design of happiness is within. So now I don't want to sound like Buddha because I'm not following that teaching, but I am saying to people, there is something within your soul that will bring you happiness regardless if you are incarcerated or if you're living on top of the hill what we know is Snob Hill. Is Snob Hill in Clarksville? Do we have one? I don't know. <laughs> if you're up on the hill over here and you know you have everything going for you, it, it's within. And so that something is spiritual consciousness. That's what that something is. And when you have that, it opens doors for you in your thinking and in your actions and your emotions. And you truthfully, truthfully, in 2000. 18, that's where we're still at. <laughs> you can truthfully be happy. You don't have to fake it. You're happy. You're loving life. You're loving this area. This Johnson County is a beautiful county. Uh, I heard a lady say it was, she compared it to Hawaii. Yeah, because really? of the humidity. Oh. <laughs> Just because it's really? Yeah, really? No way. Yeah, so, you know, the humidity, and it's so, it is so green, especially with all the rain we've had. So yeah. that's, that's where I went. Went seeking found more spiritual awareness and cultivating that and helping others cultivate that. So how did traveling like all over the world and, and even all over the U.S., like, how did that cultivate it? Like what lesson, like was it something that happened and it was like a switch for your perspective or like was it what happened? Uh, well, yes, there's a lot of shifts. Yeah. You know, your perspective, how you see things. And if you get outside your box or the bubble you're in or how you were raised, and I'm talking about your belief system, and listen to other viewpoints. I traveled to the East Coast. I heard of this meeting that was uh, life-changing. So I went, and it was a Christian-based meeting. And the whole meeting had to do with removal of shame. And shame, one way of putting it, is a grudge you hold against yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's like you haven't forgiven yourself. It's stuff you shouldn't have done that you did, and you're having a hard time getting over it, or things you should have done and didn't do, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I go to this meeting so excited. Well, when I get there, they say, we're not eating for a week. You fast. Goodness. Yeah, yeah goodness was right. like, <laughs> can we have coffee? <laughs> and, you know, and, and they give you so many hours a day for prayer. You're supposed to be in prayer. And it was very powerful, and it started shifting uh, my perspective is it's, it's more than perspective it starts shifting yourself because you're you you are your belief systems and so that was a beginning and so I, that was in Maryland 
and then I went to Texas with so a different style meeting, and it was all progressive. Yeah, uh, those building blocks. Yeah, building blocks. When I went to Russia, I think what well, what I learned there was a lot of Russians that are not Christian. They they're they call themselves Christian. Okay, they're Russian Orthodox. They see Western Christianity as weak, and so other religions are progressing faster in Russia because they they see our style of worship or how we live they see it as a weak and a Russian man doesn't want to be a part of any organization or belief system that's viewed as weak whether it is or isn't and so I'm like oh that's interesting I never looked at it like weak and so you just put like you said building blocks line upon line precept upon precept and you build a working system that I believe should align with the scriptures as well as the life that we have it's all in a harmony because what we call sin or error is disharmony mm-hmm. it's like you know taking one string on the guitar and putting it out of tune and trying to play it's not going to sound right yeah. so if your life isn't sounding right and you know if it is or isn't then you say hey what what is it i need to tune here if it's one string or maybe maybe you know some people don't have any strings they got a guitar they got a life but it's never worked i don't care if you're 70 years old or six years old actually six years old sometimes have it figured out better but than yeah. 70 years yeah. so uh <laughs> at my age i'd love to hear what kids have to say about life because they just see it in a pure way and i, I think that's mentioned mm-hmm. a number of times by jesus let the children come and as far as entering into a kingdom design or into a lifestyle of purity and excitement it, it's very simple yet with all the noise of our culture it's sometimes hard to find um, I helped out with J Kids one time and it's going on with what you said uh, just by helping to teach that class like I learned so much just by by trying to teach them like I learned the lessons as well and it's just neat how they are so different right. um so you've published a few books, mm-hmm. three, four? Uh, three main books. Okay. Uh, I am self-published. What okay. does that mean? It means that I'm, on, I'm not on the New York bestseller list yet. <laughs> but these were books that were important to me. First one was important for myself. I was writing, it's called Awaken the Christ Mind, which is another way of saying to have the mind of Christ. And... For me, the mind of Christ is not the brain of Jesus. Let me say that again. (laughs) The mind of Christ is not just the thought process that the man Jesus had. It is the mind, the eternal mind of all things. So when God speaks, it's always right. Okay. So the mind of Christ. And that's why I wrote the book. It's got 21 chapters. I set myself a certain amount of time each day to go to my office, lock the door, and... uh, I had actually a design to just type 3,000 words per chapter. So it took 21 days. The first seven chapters was more like body, talking about the external things you can touch. The second seven chapters we call, I would say the soul, and the third is spiritual. And the third set, which would be the last seven chapters of that book, I talked about even shapes and colors. The color of your living room can make a difference in your mood. Mm -hmm. So... Is it Christian? I believe so, but some may view it a little bit on the fringe of that. That's my main book. 
Is this a plug for my books? I'm, I'm, I can talk about the other two. But this is who I am. So I did one as yeah. a novel. Uh, the Mystery of Faith is about a young guy trying to turn water into wine. It's very interesting, to yeah. say the least, but it has a message behind it and that we can work the miraculous in our lives. We can believe and have faith for things that we don't typically see in our everyday lives, but we need miracles in our life. We need things that we can't explain. Yeah. It's unexplainable, yet undeniable. People will say, well, I can see what happened, but I don't know how it happened. You know? And uh, even a local doctor here is like, I don't know how you did what you did, but it, it's cool that it happened. I'm, gl I'm glad for you. Uh, and then the other book I wrote is called The Great You, which is the small, smallest book. A lot of people like it because it is small, and you can actually finish it. And it's talking about you, you know, the great you. It has to do with being a little bit selfish. And it's not in a bad way. It's like take care of yourself so you can take care of others. So it's like take care of the fruit tree so it will produce as much fruit as it can to help others. So that's the three main books, and they're obviously available on Amazon. <laughs> Um, so with I actually read the last one, The Great You, and in that book, um, you had talked about separating work and life, um, having to budget your time. Do you have any tools that we could use to help budget our time, or were there any tools that you used that stood out? Oh, when we're talking about our life, I think people want to segregate, you know, make work one. I taught a series on never work a day in your life, so... What that is about is we want to be productive, so we're not sitting on the couch. But when you go to work, is it just to make a living, just to make money to pay the electric bill, or is it something you're engaged in? Mm -hmm. So for Jessica, do you enjoy what you're doing here, or is yeah. it just for money? No, I love it. Okay. But my trouble is, is carrying it over back home and switching, flipping that switch. Uh, I don't think you, if you look at it in a succinct way where you've got to flip the switch, you're gonna to have to remember to flip the switch, and you're gonna to have to set it on your phone every day. I gotta flip this. No, then it, then it becomes a ritualistic thing. Is this is your life? Yeah. And sure, you know, kids or the spouse or whoever's gonna hear part of what happened today, and you're gonna hear what happened in their life, and that's part of life. And I think it becomes if it becomes so much that you're only living what you do in your work time. Mm -hmm then you just focus more on home time. But I, I wouldn't set a time and say, okay, it's 5 o'clock, time to yeah. switch off work. It's because a lot of what you do at work can be stressful. Maybe yours isn't, but some people. And that's a decompression for them. They're letting out in the family, hey, yeah, what yeah. happened at work? Oh, this happened. Yeah. Oh, really? That's cool. You know. So when I talk about stress-free, it's a flow. It's a flow of life, being thankful that you have employment, you know, being thankful you have a business, uh, being thankful, you know, you, you were able to be a member of the chamber. <laughs> yeah, not those for us. <laughs> no, thankful heart and you're not having to switch off. You just, you're going to blend out of today's events into the evening events. And, and it's exciting. So if a person has a job that it, they can't switch off or it's overloading them emotionally, physically, you know, then you're in charge. I said that earlier, you know, take charge, start looking for another way to provide for yourself as well as living your life. Okay. Good. Thank you for that. Um, you also talked about proper selfishness. Do you care to elaborate a little bit more on that? Okay. I had to use that word just as a shock yeah, feature because people are like, oh, you good. know, yeah, oh, being selfish. So I've been called the shock 
preach or something. It's just to upset your homeostasis enough like, what's he talking about? And, and hopefully you'll read the book. Is because if yourself is in disharmony or if yourself is sick, having problems, spend some energy and time on yourself. And that's what I'm calling selfishness. So I'm not saying not to give to needy people or to just consume everything in your whole world just for you to get better and better. Spend the time needed. And the illustration I used or the reference I used was when you're in flight and you have a loss of cabin pressure, they'll tell you, you know, the mask is going to drop down. Put the mask first on your children if you're traveling with young children. Well, to me, it sounded funny. I would want to put it on myself first. Or, no, it says put it on yourself first. I got it backwards. Yeah. Put it on yourself first and then your children. Well, I was saying, no, I want to put it on my kids first. Yeah. And it was saying, it sounded backwards to me. But the, what they're saying is take care of yourself so you don't pass out. Then you can take care of your children. So that's what the book is really about. And so you, I call it selfishness. It's a selfish selflessness. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, well, you read the book, so hopefully it makes sense. <laughs> um, and then there's a another phrase that you used in the book one person in the room can shift the whole atmosphere without saying a word and to me I think that's so powerful because it's so true that just how how you carry yourself do you care to elaborate a little bit more on that one I think a person is sure of themselves know, knows who they are and especially a person I'm going to focus on the right side that's full of light that's full of positive energy they can offset the negative energy. It does work the other way, but we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> and so you come into an atmosphere that's maybe tense or very negative, but you are living positive because light always overpowers dark. So always. You know, if you're in a dark, dark room, you turn on any kind of light, the light overpowers. So that's what I encourage people to do and that's the beautiful part of living wherever you're living is like my workplace is very negative then you spend time focusing on getting as much light or positive energy we call it the spirit however you want to term it so that when you go to work you make the influence you make the change even if you're only bringing the level up just a little bit bring it up and change the atmosphere so yeah I think one person can do that that's, that's true um, you also talked about relationships, how relationships are everything. Um, do you care to go into that? Well, we could do a whole podcast on that, but just in a nutshell, uh, we're all linked together. We're all in this public pool, so to speak, swimming. And if, if one person in the pool uh, wants to do something that they shouldn't be doing in the pool, it can affect all of us, in other words. So it goes back to what Jesus said. He said, I and my Father are one. There's a oneness of all humanity and relationships are being key because a lot of times what's happening in a relationship really is what's happening inside you. Mm -hmm. So if you have an adverse relationship, you have to look within and say, why is this happening? And uh, I, as I said today, thank goodness, I have no enemies. I have none. Now, I may have some that don't like me or whatever. There's no one I don't like. And I've, I've cultivated that. It didn't come natural. And to build relationships is going to help you at work. It's going to help you in, in your time of play, which we call play, entertainment or whatever. It's going to help you in family. It's going to help you help you in your business because all businesses are people business and relationships. And so especially for ministry and being a minister as, as I am, it's, it's about relationships, helping people and keeping a proper order of relationships and not 
uh, frustrating that or bringing any disharmony in any relationship. And if, if someone is in a relationship that's bringing that, sometimes you have to avoid that relationship or you just go a different direction. That's what I'm saying. Is that challenging to do? <laughs> it is very challenging because if you take someone that's living a, a, a life that's full of angst and just so dark in themselves and they have no uh, drive to change and they don't want to have any change, I can't live in that all the time. So uh, I like them and it's I'm able to work with them to a degree, but it's not someone that I want to be around all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So, so you also said uh, surround yourself. This kind of goes into it. surround yourself with friends and acquaintances that are healthy and vibrant. Um, so then, and you may not have an answer for this, and um, but so like, what about when it comes like down to addicts and stuff? So like, how do how do they make the switch of their friends or to help their friends, you know, encourage them to be better? Like, how, how do they get out of that cycle? And the reason I ask, you know, Johns County has issues with, with that. And so, like, what, what's a way that, that we could overcome that or to teach them or to, or is there a way? Okay, so say someone's a part of a community that's not going anywhere mm -hmm. and actually is going down. You know, whatever that community would be, whatever that social gathering would be, the person themselves there, themselves that recognize I got to do something different. They oftentimes they should leave that community mm -hmm. and focus there again. Read my book, The Great You, and start working on getting. And that's hard because if your life has been surrounded with a certain social status with these group of people you're working with or live with or family members very difficult to make the break but that's what we call the Damascus Road experience you have to have a break a lot of times you have to have a it, it's very upsetting it's very scary for people because everything you've known you've got to leave you know and, and look for something else and where do you go well some people go to a church and I don't have people find what they're looking for perhaps or some go to a therapist or whatever it it comes back to that seeking, asking, knocking, looking. I gotta have a change. My life's going spiraling down. I can't do this anymore, and I need help. And okay, these are all good signs. Yeah, okay, let's go. Let's, life's waiting for you to get out of the darkness back into the light. And so, there may be a point, and we hope there is at some point, where in strength and, and development of self, you can go back and help some of the others. Yeah. If they want help, if someone yeah. doesn't want help, you know, how That's do you help them? Yeah, yeah. And um, you mentioned too that you had that flight program. Isn't that so? Was that something that maybe they could possibly use? Yes, I designed the flight program. We operate off the four forces of flight, so it's helping people get rid of drag and a lot of excessive weight and utilize thrust and lift. So, it's, in a nutshell. It, it's a program so they can write down and chart what you need to do to help your life to fly. Yeah. But if you're, say your life is a plane and you have no motor, then you're not a plane a very good one, you're a glider. But if you have so much weight, it will not get off the runway. You know, you're just sitting out there and telling everyone, I'm a plane, I'm a plane, but you're never able to, to fly. Mm -hmm. And so it involves also mentorship, because we can tap into people that are already successful, say, in a certain field. And sometimes it helps young people because they go and they say, this is what I want to do, but after they experience it for a little bit, they're like, 
that's not what I want to do. Because a young girl that wanted to be a veterinarian was thinking kittens, puppies. Yeah. So she was able to shadow the veterinarian for one day, and they went to the field and did a C-section on a cow, and chiggers and everything, the tall grass. And after that one day, she decided, I never want to be a veterinarian. <laughs> I don't even want to Yeah. So it's it's knowing what you really want, and, and especially at a young age, just design of life, what you want to be and who you want to be. And so that's what the flight plan. And it comes, I do have the book that goes with it and a teacher's manual so someone can learn it. It's easy to learn and they can teach others. So if someone has a youth group, has a classroom setting, they can learn the program very easily and then they can teach it and help others get their life to fly and, you know, starting off. Especially when you come out of college, a lot of people, okay, now I've got a bachelor's degree, what do I do? Yeah. Well, you go get a job. Well, yeah. you know, how, what, where. Yeah. And so just helping them to see, or coming out of high school, do I want to go to trade school? Because you know, I'm a big guy like trade school as well as college and listening to Mike Rowe and different ones so helping them that's what the flight plan course is about okay. um, is there anything else that you'd like to mention life is good it's wonderful and whatever I can do and whatever I can help others to do to make this Johnson County a better place to live work and play that's what I want to do all right um so with I do want to do one last question. Um, with like the travel, you said you traveled the world and everything. So how does that compare to Johns County? Like, what are the pros and cons that you like and dislike? I think every area has its own, which what I'd say is energy or culture. What's awesome about Johnson County is it's stable and it's steady. Mm-hmm. And in the real estate industry, I've talked to different ones, and my son's in real estate also is. It's not a real boom and bust here. It's always steady. And that's good for a person that's seeking uh, a lifestyle that's steady. Because a lot of areas you go, that maybe they have more energy. You know, okay, Little Rock has more energy, you know, more stuff to do, more things happening. Yet there's more calm in Johnson County for the person. You can establish a business here and grow it steadily without worrying about a great crash. You know, So everyone's running. Like right now, Northwest Arkansas is really booming. Well, at some point, it's going to stable out or whatever. We're already stable. You can build a foundation for a life. I think people should travel because travel is an education in itself. You're going to see, you're not only you'll see, you're going to feel the difference. So, you know, in Moscow, Moscow has a whole different feel than New York City. It's a third bigger than New York City. But when I was in Jerusalem, Jerusalem was a, a whole different feel. You know, one of my favorite places is the Sea of Galilee going to to Capernaum and sitting there and watching people fish. Is it different than sitting on Lake Ludwig? It's different, but I can have the same enjoyment sitting at Lake Ludwig, you know, yeah. uh, I was going to say eating a bologna sandwich, but <laughs> this is not a nutrition section. But uh, So yeah, travel is good. I think it's broadened my scope, especially living in Alaska so much. And I'm not only Alaska, all over Alaska from Southeast all which was Juneau all the way up to the interior work. So how were you able to afford all of this to, to travel the world? Well it's different ways I've traveled. One, I've traveled with mission trips, so I was actually sponsored on some of the trips and we were able to take supplies overseas. Uh, other times I would just sell something, get on eBay 
you know, here's the deal. If you want to do something, you'll make a way to do it. So if you have a desire, like I always want to, to go to Greece, okay, you'll start working toward that and you'll make it happen because desire will make a way when lack of desire will make an excuse like i can't i don't have the money well if you have the desire to do something and you have the will to do it you're the one in charge it may mean you can't have your special coffee every day you're going to put that money into a piggy bank so you'll make it happen and that's what i did i had the desire to go different places and to see different things so i would work toward that goal and i'd make it happen that's awesome good all right do you have any questions for us Not today. Okay. All right. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate having you here. And join us next time for Know Your Roots.